May mercy and grace and peace be yours from God our Father and from his Son, his promised Son, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Connie and I have been in Texas for almost 36 years. We've been to Beaumont and to Brownsville. We've been to Amarillo and Texarkana. We've been to El Paso and to Wichita Falls. But we've never been to Big Bend and the Davis Mountains. But we will, eventually. Everyone who goes there is surprised. They're surprised by the vastness of the space. They're surprised by the dark as cold nights. They're surprised by the beauty of God's creation. Beauty in the dry, high desert? Really? Really. The Old Testament readings from Isaiah are taking us places during this Advent season that we have never been, places that we need to go and see, places for his watching and preparing and rejoicing people. May the Holy Spirit give us attentive ears and expectant hearts this morning as we visit the third of the places of Advent as we go into the wilderness. People God dearly loves. We've been to a mountain in Isaiah chapter 2. We've been to a dried out stump in Isaiah 11. Today we are going into the wilderness. I'm going to repeat my words from the previous two Advent sermons. Isaiah is God's prophet 700 years before the birth of Christ. Isaiah speaks out God's word to rebellious Judah and to unfaithful Jerusalem. Isaiah's message is judgment, yet it is grace. Isaiah's message is disobedience, yet it is mercy. Isaiah's message is condemnation, yet it is comfort. Isaiah's message is brokenness, yet it is hope. Isaiah's message is law, but Isaiah's message is also gospel. Chapter 35 is only 10 verses, but these are 10 strong verses, 10 rich verses, 10 hopeful verses, 10 verses giving God's people in exile a promise of return and renewal and a reason to rejoice. And these verses can be and do the same for us in mid-December of 2022. Verse 1 and the first half of verse 2 read, The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. This is the typical Hebraic style of writing, repetition of both nouns and verbs. There are three nouns, three terms for the uninhabitable land that surrounds Israel something that is echoed in parts of Texas, it seems to me. In the English Standard Version, Isaiah calls it the wilderness and the dry land and the desert. These words can also be translated as the badlands and the drought-stricken area and the Arabah. That's this depressed, narrow plain that runs north and south of the Dead Sea. Whatever the terms, 
they're really all the same. These are not hospitable places. They can be cultivated for crops, but not without man-made irrigation to turn them into fertile farmland. But God is ready to do a new thing for his people, and we need to get that right. He does not tell his people to do a new thing. He tells them the new thing he will do. He will change them. He will change them dramatically. Here again, God's word to and through Isaiah in verses 3 and 4. He speaks to those with weak hands and feeble knees and anxious hearts. Be strong, fear not, for your God will come with vengeance. He will come to save you. And when this happens, it will be as dramatic as we heard from Isaiah chapter 11 last Sunday. All of nature will be turned upside down. Wolves and lambs will live next to each other. Leopards and calves will sleep together. Lions and oxen will eat together. Children will play over a cobra's hole. This is how chapter 35 describes the redeeming and reversing work of God that again turns things upside down. Blind eyes will be opened. Deaf ears will be unstopped. Lame men will leap like white-tailed deer. Speechless tongues will burst into song. Which takes us back to verse 1 and the response of spontaneous joy with repetitive and redundant words. It is gladness and rejoicing, joy and singing. But here we are, and none of this may ring true. It may seem improbable. It may seem impossible. We hurt. We struggle. We fear. We pretend. Our hands and our hearts are weak. Our knees and our faith are feeble. Our hearts and minds are anxious. There's only one place to go. Into the wilderness. As we do, we remember that this is what God did for his people. He took them out of their slavery in Egypt. He rescued them from Pharaoh's army at the sea. Then he led them into the wilderness to shape and teach and prepare them for their new home, the promised land. And for those 40 years, God quenched their thirst and fed them as they traveled. We are in the wilderness. It's the barren badlands. It's the desert dry land. We are hungry and our throats are parched. In this wilderness, we confess our failures, our idolatry, our sin, our shame. And we have no resources. We can't make water gush out of a rock. We can't make a crocus grow and burst into bloom where there is only dust and stone. But God is ready and God is willing 
to do a new thing. We go, we must go to the wilderness of repentance. There we wait, there we wonder. When? How? Where? But then our Lord comes into the wilderness with us. He comes into the wilderness for us. The virgin will be with child. The promised Savior will be born. The word will be made flesh. Jesus gives up the splendor of heavenly glory to live in our poverty. Christ comes into our wilderness with care and with love, with mercy and with grace, with forgiveness and with hope. For those who are thirsty, and we all are, our Lord says, I give living water. To those who are hungry, and we all are, our Lord says, I give you food better than manna and quail. I am the bread of life. To those who are deaf, and we all are, our Lord opens ears to hear, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I lay down my perfect life for you and for every rebel and runaway. For those who are blind, and we all are, our Lord opens eyes to see the cross on which he bears every sin and wins full and free forgiveness. For those who are lame, and we all are, our Lord says, you, come, follow me. For those who are mute, and we all are, he opens our mouths to confess, Jesus is Lord. Chad Bird wrote in his devotion for last Sunday, the wilderness is where God puts us to death and resurrects us to life in his son. We don't need miraculous water from a rock. We don't need Jordan River water. Edwards Aquifer H2O is just fine. For at the font, we are baptized into Christ. We die with him. We are buried with him. And we are raised to life with him. The burning sand becomes a pool. The parched ground gushes as a spring. And these cooling, cleansing waters of baptism call us to journey on the way of holiness. The way where only the redeemed, and we all are, shall walk. And only the ransomed, and we all are shall return to a land that we have never seen before. Last Sunday, I asked you to picture Yellowstone National Park. Today, picture Big Bend National Park. Pretend that it's mid-March and the winter rains, the early rains and the late rains, have been just the right amount at just the right time. Now gaze in wonder at the wild flowers in blossom, desert marigolds, Angel trumpets, scarlet ocotillo, and blue bonnets taller than you've ever seen. Then a rare Hinckley's Jacob ladder and a Hidalgo lady's tress, a wild orchid. But all those beauties fade in the beauty of salvation in Christ alone. This is the abundantly blossoming bouquet of Isaiah 35, This is life from death. This is our Advent life in Christ. This is why we rejoice with joy 
and singing. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.